Hi, I'm Trevor Cochran and this is The Garden Gurus Live, a weekly show where I'll share seasonal gardening advice, feature a variety of gardeners from all across Australia and give listeners the opportunity to interact and ask your garden questions. To join the chat live and ask your gardening questions, all you need to do is like our Facebook page and tune in every week. This program is brought to you by The Garden Gurus and Scott's Performance Naturals. Scott's Performance Naturals is the 100% natural and sustainable way to grow and feed your garden. Backed by years of research and developed by scientists, the technology employed enhances natural processes, allowing extra strong growth. The Performance Naturals range contains organic materials such as nature N, blood and bone, seaweed, biostimulants, manure and feather meal to improve the soil and encourage microbial and earthworm activity. To find out more about the Scott's Performance Naturals range, head to lovethegarden.com.au. Hi, I'm Trevor Cochran. Welcome to The Garden Gurus Live. It's a beautiful Monday morning here in Western Australia, and today we'll be crossing right across the country as we talk about gardening. And of course, we're here to answer your garden questions. Now, in uh, much of the country, it's a public holiday. So after today's show, you might be able to go off and do a little bit more and uh, get your garden looking great. It is the perfect time of the year to do some pretty amazing things in your backyard and get really incredible results. And so I'm hoping that you're going to ask me questions. I'm looking forward to answering them. Please tell us what suburb you're from, what state you're from, what suburb or town. And also make sure if you like what the answers are, that you click like. It helps us with our audiences and shares it with your friends. Now, today on the show, we'll be speaking to Still's Joe Katsos about the history of Still, the brand, and how the company's evolved over 95 years. And we're really thrilled because Still have come on board as a supporter of the program. So it'll be a, um, it'll be a really good chat. Joe's an absolutely lovely person who's got, uh, works for a company that's just got this most incredible history. We will be heading to Melbourne. Bonnie Marie Hibbs is actually over there filming today. It might be a public holiday, but she's working hard. She's on her farm. We'll chat to her about what she's up to with the team over there. And we'll share with you, in fact, I'll get the opportunity to share with you this week, the Garden Express offer of the week. It's absolutely sensational. Don't forget, also, when you ask questions, we will have these fabulous Mr. Fothergill seeds. We'll be sending out some seeds to five lucky winners. Oh, what a start. We've got an absolutely fantastic show for you today, but this is all about your garden questions. So let's get into them. Alison is from Stuart Town in New South Wales. Hello, Alison. Top tips for bananas, please. Well, I reckon I really have mastered the banana at home. We've got all sorts of different types of bananas growing, get great results from them. And the trick really with them for me was to feed them with a controlled release fertilizer and to make sure that you're keeping the food up and the water up to them. The two things that are most important for bananas, they do like a, a pretty good free draining soil, believe it or not. It's not a plant that, that's uh, too good in heavier soils, but um, absolutely important. And look, the other thing that's very important, of course, is a nice, bright, full sun position. Once you've grown bananas and you've got your first bunches, generally it's about 18 months or so, depending on where you are, uh, in Australia, after you've planted a sucker into the ground, you'll start getting fruit form. Once you've had your own sun ripened, to, you know, bananas, they are just amazing, really good. And if you didn't know, bananas release uh, a number of, of chemicals, plant chemicals, that 
uh, do some really cool things for us. One of them is that they make us happy. So banana a day is very good for you. Now let's head from New South Wales up to Queensland and chat to Terry. Terry, your geraniums are dying off. Is it the heat? Undoubtedly it is. They do not like it too hot. They do like to see um, sort of milder conditions and we are heading into those sorts of um those sorts of conditions. So the trick right now is probably to go through and give them a light trim, give them a feed, and again, a controlled release is a good way to go, but a liquid fertiliser after you prune them will do the world of good. Um, I would suggest that um, you probably do that, and if they're really suffering, maybe a shot with some sea salt, just a bit of seaweed extract will do them the world of good too. Remember, if you like what we're doing, please um, click like, give us a like, and um, we will obviously be able to reach some of your friends and share some of these questions and answers with them. Kirsten is in Bitten in Victoria. Hello, Kirsten. What's the best type of potting mix for peonies? Now, interestingly enough, Peonies like a kind of a heavier kind of potting mix. So the typical potting mixes that we generally have, the bark-based mixes, are not actually that great for a lot of the peonies. If you were to get, a, if you wanted a really, really good result, grow them in a cactus and succulent potting mix. Believe it or not, um, they really do do exceptionally well in those slightly heavier potting mixes. Beautiful plant, but um, if you're going to put them into a pot, then use that as your base potting mix. Janice is in Charmhaven in New South Wales. Now, what are the best plants that can tolerate afternoon sun? Well, look, Janice, there's a lot of plants that will tolerate afternoon sun. It depends on what sort of conditions you're in. And this is also one of those things where you probably want to pop into your local garden centre and have a chat with them because, look, the vast majority of full sun plants will do really well in that environment. But the things you need to be sure of is, uh, you know, is there anything radiating heat? So do you have any fences or pathways? What's your soil type? Um, you know, is the position an exposed position? That's the other thing that you've got to keep in mind. So I would talk to your local garden centre and just say, hey, look, this is the situation I'm in because, um, look, I could be recommending everything from um, magnolias, the beautiful uh, little gems, or maybe one of those types of upright, very quite large plants, right through to gardenias, which would also do exceptionally well in full sun as long as they have water, as long as they're not overly exposed, as long as they're not going to get radiated against a, a fence or something like that. Jenny is in Perth. Hello, Jenny. Does star jas jasmine do well in long pots for a screen against a fence? You've got pavers, so you'll need pots or garden beds. Look, they do do very well in that environment, but um, sometimes getting those troughs, those, um, those planter boxes, is probably better for something like star jasmine. You do need to be aware that they do have quite a root system and at some point in time they will require repotting. So whatever you put them into, be prepared that you're going to have to gently ease them out at some point in time and replant them uh, with some really good potting mix. Scott, we don't know where you are unfortunately, but um, you've not let us know your suburb or your area, but you've asked what's the best time to plant fringed lily seeds. Look, I reckon now, I actually think April is the month really that you start to push the button, but pretty much any time from here through to the first week of May, you're going to get amazing results. And then again, August, September, as the daylight gets longer, they do really well. Daphne, again, we're not sure where you are, um, can a lemon tree recover from boar attack? Yes, it can. They do recover quite well, Daphne. They are one of those plants that um, 
can take quite a hit at times and, and bounce back. So um, as long as you're on top of the borers, your lemon should come good. Just prune off all the, the old wood and give it a little bit of fertiliser, not too much, just to stimulate that root growth, encourage a bit of foliage growth back. Rena, again, we're not sure where you are from, Rena. How would you'd like to know how to get rid of green mould on branches of your lemon tree? Now, that's a bit unusual. I suspect that it's probably lichen, I would think, which suggests that you've probably got high rainfall wherever you are. Um, and lichen's not really going to hurt the the lemon tree. Uh, so I wouldn't worry about doing anything. If you do want to clear lichen or, mo uh, or uh, moss off any of your plants, um, certainly a, a light spray with a copper-based spray is a good way to do it. That will generally clean those things off, but they're not going to hurt it. If they were on the foliage, different story, but that should help um, you get your lemon back on track. So I wouldn't panic too much. Marjorie is in Mount Gambier in South Australia. Hi, Marjorie. Uh, what can you do with acorn trees besides shade? Um, I'm not sure what your question is there, to be quite honest. Um, I might come back to you. I might ask you to clarify that. Thanks, Marjorie. Cheryl's in Adelaide Hills. Yesterday you bought a very old wooden wheelbarrow as a feature in your garden. Can you tell me, should I line it with something so I don't ruin the wood and then what would I do for drainage? Absolutely. You're looking to fill this full of flowers or strawberries or something like that. I get it. Um, best thing you can do is to line it, definitely line it with plastic. Um, you can use something that's highly absorbent, that mineral magic we're starting to talk about. You'll hear more about it. Sometimes if you line that between the plastic and the soil when you fill the inside um, or the, the plastic in the wheelbarrow and then the soils on the inside, uh, that will absorb moisture and uh, help keep it a bit dry. But you, you're 100% right, you do need to try and keep it um, protected because the wood will rot if you're not careful. Felicia is in Parafield in Adelaide. Love Parafield. It gets a bit windy there at times and you've got some pretty heavy soils. You've got those hares there, those giant rabbits that uh, run around the Parafield airport. It's a pretty amazing part of the world. Um, you've got a new property with some neglected stone fruit trees. When can you prune them? Look, actually, right now, right at this moment in time, Felicia, is probably the first opportunity you've got. Another four weeks, I wouldn't bother, um, but in the next month or so, if you got into them, just taking out dead wood, just stimulating some new growth, that's all you probably need to do. Give them a feed right now as well. It'll do them the world of good. And then late winter, so probably July, first week of August, get into them again and just look at shaping. So any branches that are crossing over, rubbing against each other, big central branches, it's always good to try and create a bit of a vase shape so you can get a bit of sunlight coming into the middle of the tree. Um, that will do it the world of good. I hope that helps. Now, we're heading into our Garden Express offer of the week. The guys couldn't join us today, so I've got the pleasure of, uh, of actually talking to you about it. And the this is probably one of the best ones out. This is daffodils, and now is the time to be getting your hands on them. And they've got this huge combo plus bulb planter pack going. It's a pack of 50. Um, this is absolutely sensational. So it really is a great collection, and it's a, one of those sort of super special offers too for garden guru viewers. Um, now, it's a selection of the favourite daffodils, normally valued at $72.00. And for Garden Guru viewers, it's only 36. That's a saving of 50% off the normal recommended retail. Plus, they throw in a bulb planter, and that bulb planter 
absolutely essential when it comes to getting your bulbs in the right way into the ground. It just takes the hard work out of it. So um, it's a great deal from Garden Express. They really are the kings when it comes to, to bulbs and spring flowering bulbs. Now we're moving into the serious time when you want to get them into the ground and the quality of these bulbs are fantastic. And there's a great range too of different colours, which you know most of us have sort of viewed daffodils purely as a yellow but nowadays there's pretty much a huge range of colors so something to look forward to great deal garden gurus it's the daffodil combo plus bonus bulb planter pack of 50 normally 72 dollars only 36 dollars thanks very much to david and rowan and all the team out at garden express you guys do an amazing job and remember this is the great thing about garden express is you place your order online they deliver it direct to your doorstep there's no driving around. There's no going out shopping for the best quality. They do all the hard work and deliver it direct to you. I hope that helps. Garden Express are Australia's leading mail order gardening service, offering a wide range of quality garden products. Each week on the Garden Gurus Live, the team at Garden Express will share a weekly offer. So make sure after today's show, you jump online and visit their website. Now. Shall we move back into some comments? Remember, please, folks, one is give us a like. If you if you like what you're seeing, give us, give us a like. A bit of love goes a long way on this show. And also let us know where you're from. So the town, suburb, and, of course, the state. It really does help a lot. And we've got them coming in from all over. Um, now, Noel's come in and said, can I do your horticulture homework for you? No, Noel, you've got to do the hard yards just like I did. I hope that helps. <laughs> Bit of encouragement there, mate. Valerie is in Lake Cathy in New South Wales. Can you please advise how hard to cut back crepe myrtle trees? Well, look, you know what I'd do? I'd wait until winter till they've gone dormant, and it's really up to you. So it depends what you're trying to achieve. You're trying to get a really good shape, and crepe myrtles can kind of have this quiet, gnarly, kind of twisted sort of trunk effect, and that's a that's a great thing. Um as far as an effect goes. So trimming side branches off that can really give you that upright trunk. But some varieties are a little bit bushier and you might want to keep them actually down lower so you're seeing the flowers. So again, pruning down from the top back down. Now, it's actually something that you would do in the winter time, probably late May, early, probably early to mid-June, I think is probably the best time as far as I'm concerned. They'll sit there dormant pretty much through the winter and then they'll come back in the springtime. But uh, just gives them a little bit of time to recover from the pruning. It's one of those interesting plants. Crepe myrtles are absolutely beautiful. I just love them. And they're just finishing flowering in my garden this morning. Katrina is in Mar Marburg in Queensland. Hello, Katrina. Hello, everybody in Queensland. I hope you're having a nice work day like we are here in the West. Um, you've got black soil. Um, you don't have pitches. You're trying to improve the lawn, get rid of prickles. Um, you've used weed and feed. Uh, it has helped 60% and uh, and you've been spraying with seesaw. Uh, water rain is not much out there, so you're not getting much rainwater at the moment. And uh, you're looking for a little bit of guidance on how to get the best results in the lawn. Look, we are about to show you this coming weekend a product that's just going to revolutionise lawn care um, and it's a natural mineral. It's just a very unique mineral. It's completely rare, completely unique and does some pretty cool things and it's called Mineral Magic. Now what it does, it's a, a biogenic amorphic silica, gets into the, the, the top layer, that thatch layer of your turf and it sucks up nutrient and it holds it and it holds moisture. So we'll feature that 
um, very, very soon. So that's coming up this weekend. Keep your eye out for it. Um, so, Katrina, my answer is keep your eye out for Mineral Magic. That's going to be the thing that really does does the, the, the great work for you. We're going to head down to Melbourne. Hello, Linda. How are you? Lately, you've lost two as they flowered. I wonder what you've lost two of. Um, is there a way to stop them fleeting or do they pup eventually? I think I'm going to have to get some clarification on that one too, Linda. I'm not really sure what uh, what they are. Tahani is in Perth. Hello, Tahani. Um, how deep should I plant my frangipani cuttings and can they be planted straight into my sandy soil or potted up in pots with potting mix? Tahani, my recommendation is that you put them into pots, 200 mil pots, cutting around about, uh, what's that, 60 centimetres, and you'd want to put around about 20 centimetres to 30 centimetres, almost half of it, into the soil. So deep pot that big, almost down probably that deep, and you will get great results. Frangipanis just take off. The big trick with taking frangipani cuttings is cut them, lay them on the ground, leave them to dry for a couple of days before you take them and put them into the soil. Don't go putting them in fresh because they have that white sap and more often than not, um, if they go in wet, they can rot. I hope that helps. So let's continue on. We'll stay in WA just for the moment. Linda is an Aluka. She wants to know the best low hedging plant for the sandy limestone area um, where you are. You know what? I think probably the best in that environment has to be um, the, the lily pillies. There's a, a bunch of different varieties out there, but still my favourite, and it's, it's an oldie, but it is just fabulous, is one called Bush Christmas. And if you want a really small hedge, there's another one called Tiny Trev. You should remember that one. Um, it is re- They're both really, really hardy, and they do exceptionally well in alkaline soils, which is what you're going to be dealing with sandy limestone. Uh, staying in, in WA, one more question in WA. Jenny is in Allenbrook. How do I keep slugs off my strawberries? They're in pots and slugs still get them. Okay, simple little trick, Jenny. Bit of sawdust around the base of the pots. Um, if it's jarra sawdust because it's very harsh, they won't cross over. And more than likely they're sitting under the pot, by the way, as well. So they've got this great habit of coming in under and up at night. So my suggestion is sawdust, a layer about that thick around the outside, that'll do the job and keep them away. It's completely natural and it's a good way to control them. Uh, Let's head to Melbourne. Rupam is in Melbourne. What veggies to plant in pots with kids during this season? All right, look, to be quite honest, right at the moment, we are, it's an interesting season, the autumn season. You're going to move into the brassicas, so that's the things like um, broccoli and cauliflower, um, broccolini, uh, any of those, they'll all start coming through in the next month. You just want it to be just a bit cooler before you plant them, though. If you really want to get some pretty amazing results, right now is a great time to be putting things like spinach, many of your lettuce, so pretty much all of those. Um, they will do exception well. They're fast growing. The kids will love them. And if you've got reasonably deep pots, you can also do things like carrots. But get the rainbow collection because then you've got all different colours. And once the kids have grown them and you're harvesting them, you can talk to them about things like do they taste different? And believe it or not, they do. So we'll talk about that another time. Sheena's in Perth. Um, how do I control grasshoppers, which are eating all your plants? There are grasshopper cricket and cricket baits out there. Um, it's a brand bait. Uh, it's from a company called David Gray's, which is a West Australian company, and you'll find they do a really good job at bringing the grasshoppers back into, into line. The traditional treatment for grasshoppers is a chemical called carbaryl. 
not very commonly found these days, but still um, probably the most effective of all the, the controls. Let's head to Victoria. Hello, Wendy, you're in Geelong. Is it too late to sow Cosmos seeds? It's actually the perfect time to be sowing them right now, Wendy. As the soil moisture levels get right, um, you can either sow them into pots, you can sow them into the ground direct, but um, you've just got to make sure the soil remains moist as they germinate and then they'll take off. Now, remember, we are also uh, live streaming via our YouTube page and we've got uh, Yelda Media um, has joined us. Hello, what fruit plants can we keep in the garden which can fruit in an autumn or winter time? Well, you know what? I think autumn is the very best time to be um, to be harvesting and there's so many different types of fruit. So thinking exotics, um, there's so many different amazing exotics, but things like um, right at the moment I have the most spectacular dragon fruit in flower. You can get the, the red, the pink, and, of course, the, the white fruit are the most common. There is a yellow as well. Easy to grow. Now's the time to get them in. You've got things like, um, uh, well, to be quite honest, Things like uh, those more exotic things such as um, the dragon fruit. Then you've got through things like uh, there's early season lychees or late season lychees. There's uh, long an. And then when you start to look at some of the late season um, fruit such as um, the pommy fruit, you've got things like uh, pears, which are there's some really good late season pears that will come right through right up until the winter period. Quince is always good, and my quince is just starting to hit its straps at the moment. Um, I've got custard apple, which uh, I love custard apples, and they are really a late autumn early uh, spring. You've got the tree tomato. They're fantastic. So there's a huge range. And of course, if you're thinking citrus, well, citrus is an endless supply of citrus about to start coming through. And they're really late autumn right through to sort of late winter, depending on the variety that you're looking for. Staying with our YouTube channel, Ash Nadia in Bradbury, New South Wales. Thanks for letting us know where you are too, Ash. I appreciate that. Um, you bought an established ivory curl tree. And it's been recently planted in your yard. Its tree canopy is a bit cluttered. When's the best time to prune? Right now, actually. So get into them. If you want to thin it out to get the shape, um, and this is, a, this is a real art form, but once you sort of look at your trees and you look at your structure and take off any crossing over branches, uh, any branches that are quite dense and thick, so you start to get a really nice shape in the canopy, um, it'll look fantastic. Now, I'm going to take a moment and uh, introduce you to Joe Katsos. Now, Joe's the head of marketing at Still. Still are a remarkable company. Their, their product um, has been trusted and relied on by professionals in the forestry, in the garden, in the landscape industry for decades, decades and decades. And I wanted to ask Joe a little bit about the history behind this company because I almost thought they were an Australian company until I travelled extensively around the world and realised that everywhere around the world, they're the one that's relied on. So here's Joe. Joe, thanks so much for joining us this morning. It's absolutely fantastic to have you with us. Now, the Still brand is something I reckon most Australian gardeners will relate to. But tell me the story behind the company. It's, it's a pretty incredible story. It really is fascinating, Trevor. Um, it, the brand is 95 years old and we've been in Australia for 50 of those 95 mm -hmm. and the business is currently run by the third generation in the family by Dr Nicholas Still and the family are ever-present. Um, when I was doing a factory tour of the German manufacturing plant, 
um, the person taking me on the tour said to me, um, if 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 the business was in it just to make money, it everything it, you know it would be a completely different story. Yeah. Um, and they're they're in it to create the best tools in the world. Wow. Um, and that y- you see it, you know, from the factory floor right through to the cafeteria, right, right through to just everyone that you speak to. It is, it is exceptionally unique. It's amazing. I, I know, I know that, you know, that that you guys are a pretty humble brand. You don't really don't over brag on anything you do. But this is the world's best-selling brand of chains. So it doesn't matter where I go in the world, I see still products everywhere I go, and it's still a family-operated business. Yes, it is. And it's very different um, in terms of the way that the business actually runs internally. Our family values run with, through the veins of the business. And um, and it's just amazing in terms of the, I guess, the profile of the business today being truly global and, you know, vast range of different products, you know, world-leading technology. I was going to say, you know, like the thing is still known um, for the chainsaws. I mean, that that really is, in many ways, it's kind of helped, um, you know, helped Australia develop to, to have that that quality product. And it's that German engineering, I think, that's the key to the whole thing. But, but you know, and it probably has some origins mainly in forestry originally, but now it reaches into so many parts of the average Australian backyard, doesn't it? There's so many different products. Yes, there are. There's over 150, actually. And, you know, in our battery range is actually growing exponentially and 50 of those products um, are within the battery portfolio. Yeah. But we're not just chainsaws. Absolutely not. We're actually the full lawn care, garden care package. And we have products um, across the range, hedge trimmers, blind trimmers, Um, And really new innovations coming to the market as well in terms of uh, home DIY. I think the key point there, and you said it's about the innovation. You see, I don't think still brings anything to the market that doesn't offer something new, something better, something improved to make the end user be able to do the job more successfully and and easily. And, And that's the great thing about the brand. That and its reliability, there, there must be something in the DNA of this company about quality because you mentioned batteries, but the battery range, there was a lot of companies tried bringing battery operated tools out, but your battery range is sensational from mowers right through to blowbacks. You've got it all, haven't you? Oh, we absolutely do. And quality, dependability, reliability are those core values of the business. And, you know, the construction of every single tool is is meticulous it's about precision and that 95 years uh, of experience has now been embedded into our battery range which is as I mentioned before growing exponentially so it's 95 years of German engineering excellence which is being put into our battery technology. You know when I was a young guy coming through the system as a horticulturalist um, we would rely on still because of the grunt, because these were tools that really allowed you to do the job. And you know, the, the ringing of a chainsaw or you know, an, a, a, an engine operated blower vac would be something that would ring through the valleys of wherever we were doing whatever we were doing in those days. But this is where battery technology, my neighbors love me now because they don't even know when I'm out in the garden because I can be using a chainsaw and it barely makes any noise. Yes, the, our, our professional range 
um, I guess, is where our heritage lies and all of that technology um, in terms of the build, the precision, um, the ease of use ha- is embedded within the tech, in the battery technology. Yep. And that now translates into very low noise, very easy to use, very safe. Um, and, you know, we have the full grunt of the professional design and professional power, which is yep. now in the battery range as well. Now, I was going to ask you, because um, one of the things that's interesting about Still is also, um, this is a family company, but you also work with small family businesses all over Australia to provide a level of service that, look, you know, the, the mass merchants, the big box retailers and so on, don't deliver their customers. So it's not just about the quality of the product, but it's also about the quality of the service. It's vitally important to the still strategy, isn't it? It is. It's a very unique business model, actually, and still products are sold through independently owned family businesses that are in your local area in your local community and you know the quality of the product is matched with the quality I guess of the people selling the product and you know part of that um, longevity reliability and dependability really is due to the excellent service that our steel dealer network offers we have more than 650 steel dealers around Australia so we are in every neighborhood Um, our consumers uh, know where we are and they can easily find us as well yeah look you know I think that's the great thing is that when you're making a decision on a on a power tool, you really want something, whether it be in the garden or actually a power tool, you want somebody to be able to tell you how to operate this thing properly. And, and there's always different models for different purposes. If you've got a small backyard, you might not need a big machine, you might mm. go to something smaller. But mm. knowing, knowing that, you need to speak to an expert. And so right up front, getting the right advice is one element of it. And that's exactly what your dealers are. They're experts. They love the product. They live and breathe it. Um, yeah. They can give you the right advice so you purchase the right one. But later on, should you need any servicing done, that's exactly where you go back to as well, isn't it? That's right. Um, that's the gold, I guess, of the Steel Dealer Network is that they they only sell products which are fit for purpose. Um, they're able to make an assessment, I guess, of the size of your property, what the job is that needs to be done, and they'll recommend to you exactly the right product for your specific needs. Yep. Uh, and, and, you know, that sort of service uh, is hard to come by these days, but you will find it at your local steel dealer. Yep. And, and everything carries a, a warranty, doesn't it? It's, it's, it's you guys guarantee the quality of the product. We do. We do indeed. Yeah, yes. So stand behind everything. Now, I'm, I'm, I know that, uh, I know you guys are crazy busy over there. This has been a remarkable period of time. I think everybody is transferring to battery. If they're buying new product at the moment, they're going to battery. Could you show me the battery just to give us a little indicator? You've got one alongside you there. Yes, I do. I do. It's so this, easy to use, right? This is our HSA 56. Um, it's part of our AK system, which is for the home owner. Yep. Very use um you've got your 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 battery which which you charge and just clicks in clicks in yeah and and the product's all about safety so there's three different trigger points that you need to um press and and handle in order for that to actually come on yeah it's it's this is this is what i love about still and and it's it's amazing because i'm 
I'm a little more embedded than probably the average person at home because I, I love, you know, I love doing things in my garden. I love having the right tools. They make everything so easy. But the bit that you really appreciate is when you start to look into the, the detail in the design, the level of thought that's put into every product is remarkable. Oh, it, it, the models are refined, you know, time and time again. So the generation of, of battery products that we're using today might be on their third level of, of refinement and supersession. And so yep. every product has been considered to the nth degree in terms of every feature, functionality, precision, safety in all of the elements. Um, and that's why they really are the best tools on the market. And Joe, the most important thing is that everybody who's tuned in listening to our conversation today is get into your local steel dealer, go and check out the range. There'll be a product in there to make your garden life so much easier. Joe, thanks so much for joining us. It's been fantastic chatting. What a great, look at your office. It's magnificent. <laughs> it is. We're always here uh, in the shed surrounded by our <laughs> getting ready for the next uh, task in the garden. So thank you very much for having us. Um, it really is a privilege to share our story. And thank you so much for supporting everything we do. Have a great day. We'll speak to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Trevor. Thanks very Bye. much. This podcast is brought to you by Still and Evergreen Garden Care. Still is Australia's most trusted brand of garden power tools. Backed by 95 years of German engineering excellence, to get your hands on their range, visit your local still dealer today or visit still.com.au. Well, that was a bit of a fascinating insight into what is a remarkable company. Their product is just so good. And I know Joe mentioned it, but um, look, you know, the thing is when you go to a still dealer, generally they're family owned and run businesses for a start, which I love. But the most important thing uh, to keep in mind, I would think, is that uh, Still is a company that's built all around quality. So if you go in, they'll show you how these machines work and they'll tell you what is the right machine for the job that you're undertaking. And, of course, remember, they actually service them as well. So, yeah, pretty cool company. And it was great to catch up with Joe and we're very appreciative of Still's support. We'll certainly show you some of that innovation over coming weeks um, as we talk to the team and uh, and check out things. It's all about making gardening easy and that's what they do. They provide you machines that just make gardening so much easier. Now let's get on to some questions. Kathy's in Muche in WA. You got a standard camellia which had died off from the hot, harsh weather that we've we've had previously here. Yeah, you've cut I've cut the top off thinking it would reshoot from the top. But it's actually started to shoot from the bottom. Any tips on getting it to shoot from the top? Yeah, look, Kathy, keep pulling away the the growth tips at the bottom and it'll force the sap up to the top. So you will get growth tips further up the top of the uh, of of the standard. Um, really difficult thing because, of course, the natural thing is they will sucker from the bottom when they're stressed. And this is something to keep in mind with all standards. But don't cut them with secateurs. Make sure that you pull those buds away just using your thumb, pull them away, break them off, and that blinds the buds around the outside so you don't end up with two or three new shoots coming for every one that you cut off. I hope that helps. Kim, not sure where you are, unfortunately, but your question, I'll do my best to help. You've got ornamental pears that have suckers popping up all over the garden, coming up from the roots, so it suggests that it's quite shallow-rooted. 
Now, besides constant pruning, is there anything else you can do to get rid of these? Look, it's exactly what I just talked about. It's actually pulling those away. If you cut them, um, you're going to stimulate more growth. So if you pull them away, um, you'll tear the buds off. And look, the other thing to keep in mind is that the reason that they're sending up shoots is those roots are right on the surface of the soil. So they're seeing sunlight and a natural thing to do is to start preparing shoots. So if you can put a layer of soil across the top, so top dressing your soil with an organic top dressing, um, not too deep, but maybe a top dressing now and then a top dressing again in, I don't know, six months' time, will just lift the level of the soil just a little bit. Shouldn't affect your turf from growing. Should encourage it actually to grow and grow quite thick. But most importantly, it should help stop those those um, suckers emerging. Vicky is from the Gold Coast, the hinterland. Hello, Vicky. I'm struggling to know something to know something natural to use on all plants to stop everything eating your cherry tomatoes and lettuce, etc. Okay, well, look, there's probably a couple of natural solutions you can get onto. Um, when it comes to grubs, there is something called uh, it's called spinosad, and you'll find it as a product called Success. Now, this is a bacterial spray. There's also some dusts called Deris dust, and it's another way to do it. It's a natural um, occurring plant material that kills off a lot of insects. This is probably the safest way to go when it comes to controlling a lot of the pests that get out there. But when it comes to the fine pests, well, you may want to be thinking about getting yourself some natural predatory insects. We have talked about them in the past, and we certainly have all the details to um, help make that work. Now, Jody is in Manila, New South Wales. Hello, Jody. How do I stop my fig tree and passion fruit vine from suckering? It's the day of suckers, isn't it? Or maybe I'm the sucker. No, don't say that. <laughs> now, Jody, look, the fig tree is the same thing. So let's pull those, those shoots away. The passion fruit vine is something you really have to be careful with. So that rootstock that, um, that's suckering out, I talked about it last week. It's called Corula. It's, a, it's Passiflora Corula is the species, and it's the blue flowering passion fruit. Tremendous um, rootstock for, for passion fruit uh, to get good growth but best in cool conditions. It loves cool conditions. In a, um, in a hot, sunny position, you'll find that it does tend to sucker when the plant gets stressed. And if you don't pull those suckers away and blind them with your thumb, if you cut them or if you don't do anything with them, they will take over your passion fruit and you'll lose the, the edible passion fruit and you'll end up with a beautiful flowering ornamental, but one that can actually be a weed. So my suggestion, again, is keep blinding them with your, uh, with your thumbs, pull those buds away as they emerge, keep your eye out for them. After a while, if you just keep doing it, they'll stop, they'll stop producing new sucker shoots. Now, Elise is in Melbourne. My avocado tree died and you're not sure why. When's the best time to plant an avocado tree and what stuff should I buy to help the soil and get it to grow? Avocados are very fickle in the early stages. They do not like any kind of root damage, Elise, and they don't like extreme heat. And I reckon you've had a bit of bit of everything go on there. So my advice would be is to plant in April, May. Then you've got the whole winter where your avocado will have a chance to slowly establish a root system and get through. Mulching is very important in the summer, and um, a nice thick layer of mulch will make a big difference. As far as soil goes, my recommendation is you actually plant them into a bag of potting mix. So buy one of those really good bags of the Osmocote, the professional blend. Literally dig the whole hole out. 
um, so you can fill it full of Osmocote and then plant into that. And what you'll find is the results will be spectacular. That really is a great potting mix. And once the plant is growing strongly, its roots will burst through the potting mix and into the natural soil and continue on. So I think that that's probably the bit of advice I would give you. And of course, just a couple of things with avocados. They don't like extreme winds, so make sure it's protected and, and the extreme heat. Um, if, if in the first year you've got a lot of soft foliage, then a little bit of shade cloth over the top. Now, here's one of my favourite people joining us here. Bonnie Marie Hibbs is a presenter on The Garden Gurus. She's based in Victoria and she's actually at her farm, which is outside of Melbourne today. Hey, Bon, how are you going? Not bad, not bad. The internet is a bit troublesome out here on the farm, so. Oh. So, so tell me a little bit about the farm. Where are you? Um, so we're in um, pretty much Gippsland and it's 30 acres out here that we've got and um, we've got cattle on the property and, yes, yeah, so it's quite a beautiful spot and there's five acres of garden as well, so that's what we predominantly film in for gurus and that's what we're doing today actually so we're filming that's right. so, so what are you yeah. doing tell me tell me about the stories that you're filming at the moment um so today we're doing um a cactus story or cactus and succulents which yep. is exciting because it's my own personal collection of them and how to care for them and look after them so hopefully the viewers will find that interesting so that's great and then um we'll have some water saving tips coming up as well so yeah okay <laughs> Look, that's actually a um, very important part of gardening is conserving water and using it where you want, when you want, making sure that you've always got a supply for those hot days, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think the more water-wise you can be, the less hassle it takes out of getting out there on a hotter day or, you know, days that it's dry and getting out the hose. Um, but, yeah, there's there's a lot of helpful trips or tricks actually you can do to make sure that you reduce that I guess that need to water every single day. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So tell me, um, what's the weather like in Melbourne at the moment? Um, so today's actually a little bit cooler. The last few days we've had quite hot weather. Um, today has been quite overcast and we just had rain out of nowhere. So it's been wet for the last hour and um, the sun's sort of trying to poke back out again. So, yeah. yes, it's all over the place today. <laughs> it sounds like just a normal day in Melbourne to me. Yeah, pretty much is. It really is. <laughs> but you have had some warm weather recently, and that, mm. that's where this water, you know, being water efficient, um, making sure you're managing stress levels of plants is really important. Yeah. The more we can do to help reduce the stress, the better your plants will, you know, survive that summer or the lasting summer heat um, going into autumn. And it also will give them a better growing season through that autumn period as well and then in the winter they'll be better off for it as well so have you got apple trees and pears out there yeah we've got um apple trees we've got all types of fruit trees um we've got got avocados yeah we've got we've got fruit on our apples at the moment and um we've had a lot of fruit off our plums so we've made plenty of plum relish and sauce wow Um, and we've had grapes as well grapes as well so you know the um the, the apple, we just recently did a story, and I know you know that I follow a lot of research around the world on what's good for you and so on. We know that story about an apple a day keeps the doctor away. <laughs> last week I uh, interviewed a um, doctor who's doing some amazing research over here in Perth, Dr. Um, Catherine Bondono, and she's their research has been on apples and um, the what's, what's in apples and what's good for us. 
And um, one of the interesting things was that, uh, of course, it's the flavonoids in the skin that, um, mm. that's particularly good. And the darker the colour of the skin, it seems, the more intense the flavonoids. But one of the things that um, she pointed out to me, which I never knew before, and, you know, this is a great thing about sharing conversations is that you learn so many things, was that, that when um, apples are stressed, when they're under sun stress and a lot of, lot of heat coming through, um, that they produce more flavonoids in the skin of the fruit. So huh. a little bit of stress is not such a bad thing by the looks of it. No, it sounds like um, I might need to stop giving my trees so much attention. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe too much love is, uh, is is a little bit too much. I don't know. Hey, Bon, yeah. um, any any gardening tips at the moment for uh, for Victorians? Um, one thing that I've been doing, um, I've been fertilising, giving my plants a really good feed because. Um, through summer you don't traditionally feed as much but in the autumn it's a good time to give them that last boost before the winter Mm -hmm. Um, and then you get a little bit more growth out of them too for the season so I'd say give your plants a really good feed. Hey um, that's a great that's a really really good tip. Tell me a little bit about some of the stories that you've done so far for the Garden Gurus this season. Oh, I've done a few, haven't I? Um, so last week, I think it aired on, actually it aired this weekend was the feeding for citrus because mm-hmm. um, once cool. again, it's a great time to feed them and it helps counteract any sort of yellowing you might see on the leaves, which is quite common at this time of year. We also did a bulb story, so yeah. preparing for spring bulbs. Um, so if you're interested in daffodils and tulips and all those beautiful things, now is the prime time to plant them. You've got to be a little bit forward thinking with your bulbs. You need to get them in now for a good flowering season. Um, ooh, what else have I done? Um, <laughs> I've, done I've done a few. Yeah. Um, hey, Bon. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting the big wind up from Michaela, our producer over here. You know what she's like. She's pretty bossy. <laughs> That's I, know you're, I know you're filming with the team there and the, the crew are probably all sitting around with their feet up at the moment on the balcony. Yeah, they're probably like. <laughs> yeah, so we, we'll let you go and, and get back to filming and I'll get back to answering Thank a few you. questions. Thanks so much for joining us, Bon. No worries. Good to see you. <laughs> see you too. I look forward to seeing you again soon. This show is brought to you by the Garden Gurus and Evergreen Garden Care. Evergreen Garden Care and their market-leading brands are some of the most trusted consumer brands within the garden care market. They produce high-quality garden care products designed to help people create their own green oasis. Whether it's a garden, a balcony or potted indoor plants, they want to inspire anyone, anywhere to be able to easily create and maintain their own garden. To find out more about Evergreen Garden Care, head to www.lovethegarden.com. What a girl, great girl. I just love her work and so inspiring with some of the ideas that she's got. I just really, it's one of the things I love about this job is I get to talk to so many inspirational people. Now, speaking of inspirational people, you've been throwing your questions at me. Let's see how I go with answering them. Carolyn is in the, Carolyn is in the Mornington Peninsula in Victoria. Hello. Um, Why is my jacaranda flowered for 10 to 15 years in the ground? Good question. I can probably answer it quite quickly and it's more likely that that jacaranda tree is a very, very happy tree and it's not getting stressed when it needs to, which really is sort of that October-November period. It's generally November being a period of the year where you get a lot of rainfall and that's actually when they like to be 
a little bit more stressed. So dry stress will help trigger flowering really well with jacarandas and also the longer the day. So the combination of those two things trigger a really good flowering. And um, I, I, I'm, my only suggestion to you is that, you know, if you do have irrigation, back off the irrigation, don't feed them, um, particularly with high nitrogen fertilisers. And... Um, yeah, the tree will eventually flower because that's what they're designed to do. So, um, but 12 to 15 years waiting is a long time, that's for sure. Now, we're back to our, um, back to our YouTube questions. And Tanil Simpson's joined us from Penthurst in Victoria. Um, Tanil, wondering if I knew how long it takes for a macadamia nut to produce as you're given one as a gift. So, I'm suggesting or I'm taking it that you're suggesting you've probably got it as a seedling. And generally they're about six to seven years, but they will produce fruit. Once they start, they go crazy. The important thing in the first two or three years is to get a real good canopy established and then it'll take off. Um, but, yeah, you know, year five you should be getting fruit. Year seven or eight you'll be getting more fruit than you can deal with. It's kind of the way it works. Now I'm going to go into a little bit of a plant of the week. You can see this. It's just starting to look a little bit unhappy because I picked it this morning. Two feature plants in my garden growing right alongside each other. A little bit tropical over here this this year in Perth. This one is the golden shower tree. It's Cassia fistula. It is just a stunning tree. They really are beautiful. They have these lovely golden racemes and you can see all the different flowers as they come through and they'll flower from here and slowly work their way down and it just keeps producing buds of them. And this tree this year has probably had five or 600 of these racemes. But when it gets to a mature stage in the future, it may have as many as, gee, 10,000. So you can imagine just how spectacular it is as a feature tree. I've got it near a deck and the deck is raised. So you literally look down at this tree and over the top of it, and you'll be able to see all the flowers or you can see the flowers. And it's just one of my favorites. This tree originates from India in the subcontinent. It really loves hot, dry conditions. So um, it's probably not going to perform in places like Melbourne. May perform in Adelaide, interestingly enough. It seems to get really hot in summertime, and these trees love that, but they don't like the cold. So if you get frosts, probably not the tree to grow. And, of course, the bird of paradise. And how beautiful is she? She's just one of my favourite hardy water-wise plants and it's growing right alongside so i picked those this morning from my garden just to show you um full sun uh typical on sandy soils doesn't mind those at all um regular water during the summer months does help it grow and produce lots of flowers but you don't have to do a lot with these plants once they've established they really are tough and they have no pests of consequence so two exceptional features from my garden i hope that helps now, we're going to get through some more questions um, before we pack up and finish for today. Christine is in Stirling. You've, now, you've got a toadstool in your palmetto lawn. You're wondering if I should remove it before mowing the lawn, thinking that I should as I really don't want to spread the spores, which is exactly what you'll do. Um, interestingly enough, um, this is probably being caused by high levels of moisture and humidity in the thatch. And toadstools don't do anything um, negative to the lawn itself. They're actually eating the thatch, the, the dead leaf litter and matter that's built up in the soil. That's what they're feeding off at the moment. And this moisture is probably going to bring on not just toadstools, but probably field mushrooms in a lot of places a lot earlier um, if you're over here in the West. 
course, it's really just a general guide because all over the country we've had such unusual weather this summer. But if you have had a wetter um, sort of autumn period, then you're going to find uh, summer autumn period, you're going to find that um, you're going to see a lot more of that sort of fungal um, growth and mm. whether it be toadstools or, or whether it be, you know, any kind of fungus that's performing or popping up in your garden, the important thing to remember is that if you do run the mower over it, you will cause a puff of those spores, they'll spread and you will get um, a takeoff of um, of these things in your garden as we get into the winter months. That's um, good advice, Christine. Trent is in Toowoomba. Hello, Trent. Uh, want to plant some agapanthus along your front fence. However, there's a rather large council tree shading the area. Will the agapanthus grow in the shade? What's the best time of the year to plant them? Well, the answer is they'll grow in the shade. They may not produce flowers consistently depending on how dense the shade is. Um, this is the best time of the year to get them into the ground. They will take off. And, of course, the easiest way to grow agapanthus is to split them up. Actually, I really rate this plant. I think that they're a great garden plant. Um, there are some places in the country where they're considered weeds. I certainly don't think they are here in the West. They do exceptionally well in hot, dry conditions, and um, they're a great additive to, to any garden as far as uh, providing some beautiful blue or white and sometimes now pink summer flowering. Wilma, we're not sure where you're from, but you've asked this question. My mango tree fruited for the first time, but none of the fruits matured. And the tree seems stunned. I think that might be stunted um, with no new growth. How can I encourage new growth? Trick with mangoes is during the hot weather um, is to be feeding them and watering them on a regular basis. And I mean pretty much every second day if they're a small tree, um, maybe a good deep watering twice a week if they're a mature tree. But if you do that during the summer and you feed them and you do need to have more of a fast release plant food for these guys, um, you will get good growth and the more growth, the more fruit capacity it'll have to hold next season and that's really the trick. Um, I hope that helps a little bit. Well, that's it for today's live feed. I hope you enjoyed it. We've had a busy hour. It's hard to believe it just flies by. Um, thank you so much for joining us. And I'm sorry we couldn't get through all of your questions, but we will be back next Monday. That's the important thing to remember. We're back on Mondays from here on. And it'll be 12 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. That's 9 a.m. Western Standard Time and everywhere else. There's so many different time zones at the moment. Work it out for yourselves, guys. But we'd love you to join us then next week. Michaela is going to reach out to our winners of those fantastic Fothergill seeds and um, make sure you check your messages and see whether you've won a packet. The Garden Guru's Autumn Series is back on Channel 9. Uh, that is on Saturday at 4.30 p.m. Remember, you can always jump on our website if you want any information. It's a great resource for anybody wanting to learn more about gardening. And you can catch up on previous stories. There's fact sheets. And, of course, you can also go to our YouTube channel, thegardengurus.tv. It's actually a really wonderful source of, um, of videos from the 20-odd years that we've been producing this TV show. I can't believe it. Time flies when you're having fun. You can listen back to today's broadcast. If you didn't uh, have the opportunity to hear the whole thing, sit back, enjoy it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Podbean. They will help you for sure. And I'm going to look forward to seeing you again next Monday. That is at 12 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Happy gardening, everybody. Have a wonderful week and enjoy your public holiday for those who have it today. We'll see you later.
The Garden Gurus is back this weekend. Make sure you check out your local TV guide for your local times. I got my home, I got my rig, and I'm ready to go.